Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindy.net. Let's join our service already in progress.
Knows no fear. 
team. Appreciate that so much. If you have your Bibles, turn in the 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to tell you where dinosaurs came from. Oh, that was last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at the conference, I really found out how dumb I was in <laughs> some areas. But uh, it was such a blessing, and thank you who came that were faithful. Um, on our walls on each side, some of you probably never noticed it, uh, but who will have all men to be saved? God wants all people to be saved, and uh, the way you're saved today is that you know you're a sinner, you can't save yourself, but you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, that He loved you, He died on the cross, He took your place there, He paid for your sin by dying and shedding His precious blood, and then they buried him, and three days later he rose from the grave alive. You believe in that message. That's called the gospel, the good news. You believe in that by faith. That's when God saves you. But with too many people, it stops there in a sense. The rest of that verse says, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And you and I, we are to not only get saved, but he wants us to learn what he has to say in his word. And that's where a lot of Christians come up short for some reason. And we know the reasons why in a lot of ways. But uh, God wants us to do that. And one of the areas I want to share this morning, if I could, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We always, uh, I try to make it as simple, as clear as I possibly can. I can't go any further, actually. But uh, sometimes we don't just teach a doctrinal truth. And I want to do that this morning if I could. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 8. Charity, which is love, never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that's an important verse right there. Then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then, when that perfect comes, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, which is love. And why does love remain? Well, the reason love remains is that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the Spirit never ceases. Love never ceases. Amen? So, it's unbelievable, these verses I just read about the different interpretations that you get from churches, from uh, colleges, seminaries, uh, from groups of individual people, uh, various preachers, uh, they've actually caused more confusion than they have understanding. And so I hope that when you walk out the door today, you actually understand what these verses are even talking about. To most, there are actually three interpretations concerning the part that says, 
when that which is perfect is come, in verse 10. Some say it refers to believers dying and going to heaven. That's perfect then. Secondly, some argue the perfect is Jesus returning to the earth. It will be great when the perfect Jesus Christ comes. Then third, some say the perfect is the completed word of God, the Bible. So let's see what the scripture context teaches us this morning. First of all, some say the perfect refers to believers dying and going to heaven. But this verse says nothing about believers going anywhere. It says that something is coming to us, though. Not that we're going anywhere, but that something is coming to us. And the reason that some people hold to this is that they want to be able to say that the spiritual sign gifts are still active today. They want to be able to say that tongues and healings and visions and words of knowledge and things like that are still operative today. Because they want that so bad, that causes them to be biased in the way that they look at these verses and interpret them to fit their view. But there is nothing in these verses here about dying and going to heaven. The second interpretation, many say this, when that which is perfect is come, is reference to when Jesus comes back to earth. I just heard two evangelists not long ago, a few months ago, and they were talking about this, and he begins to speak in tongues, supposedly, uh, Baba Rola, whatever, and baby, 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 you know, and one of those deals, and doing that, and then he says, that which is perfect has not come yet. So if Jesus Christ hasn't returned yet, the perfect, then the gifts are still operative for today. But in reality, that's not true. <laughs> and by the way, that's the number one held view among most of Christianity. But he's, they tried to put this together. In verse 12, it says in verse 12, uh, then face to face. And they try to put that with 1 John 3, 2. Now, 1 John 3, 2, guys, if you would. I'm jumping ahead of you. I'm sorry. Verse 2. Thank you. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And they try to cross-reference face-to-face with 1 John 3, 2. When in reality, 1 John 3, 2 is talking about Jesus Christ's return to the earth. It does not go with the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 13 that we're looking at. So there's no cross-references. Their context of 1 John 3, 2, they're, they're talking about when Christ returns to earth at the end of the tribulation period. has nothing to do with us today. It's been said a text 
without a context makes one a con man. <laughs> and that's true. People can con you if they take it out of context. The word perfect here is not, now this is just a little grammar here, and you know I'm such a great English. <laughs> yes. The word perfect is not in the masculine, but it's in the neuter gender. In other words, it's not referring to a man, but to an inanimate object. It's not referring to a person. That is the proper grammar, so it cannot mean Jesus' return because Jesus is a person. Amen? Again, why do they hold to this so strongly? The real reason is those who take it to be the return of Jesus makes for allowing the sign gifts to still operate. In other words... Jesus hasn't returned, so we still speak in tongues. They only stop when Jesus returns. And that's the way that they look at that. But these verses say nothing about Jesus coming back to the church for the body of Christ. Let me, you know, when Jesus returns to earth, it's at the end of the tribulation. You and I are in the body of Christ, which one day will be caught up in the air. We meet him in the air, not on the earth, in the air, and we go to heaven. It's not about us here on earth. Amen? For the body of Christ, that's us. Then the third view, I believe the correct view, saying when that which is perfect is come is a reference to when the Bible would be completed. The Bible is an inanimate object that is perfect. <laughs> the Word of God. Verse 10 again, if you would please. But that, now notice, when that, when it happens, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. The in part are the sign gifts, the knowledge through them. So verse 10 tells us something is coming to us. What is coming to us? That which is perfect. The word perfect means being completed, to come to full maturity. It has the idea of being fully grown, and that's the word of God. It's contrasted with, we know in part, children. Uh, children are not mature whatsoever, are they? They're not complete in their maturity yet. So verse 8 again, if you would. Verse 8. Now notice, charity never faileth, but whether there be, what? Prophecies. Prophecies was a gift to one by direct revelation, certain truths given to them by God to edify the church because they didn't have the word. But since the Bible has been completed, all direct revelation, God speaking to man, is not needed today. We have the Word of God. Then notice what he says. Uh, uh, the prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues. I'll be there in a minute. They shall cease, whether there be knowledge. You see the word knowledge there? 
That's a word from God in a service. They'd be having a church service in a home or wherever, a meeting outdoors, and God would give an individual person a word of knowledge of God's truth, and they would step up and speak that truth to that congregation because they did not have the written word of God yet. A word of knowledge. Now, since the Bible has been completed, that no longer is needed because the word has all the truth that we need to know today. He's given us the word, everything that pertains unto life and to godliness. Everything we need to know to live for God, to know about God that he wants us to know, is in the Bible, the Word of God, the perfect. Amen? But most people would rather hear a voice. No, I, I want to hear the Word. Amen? That's God's voice today. And then he mentions tongues in that verse. By the way, knowledge, it says... Uh, yeah, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Okay? This was the God-given ability. Now, don't miss this. It was not jibber-jabberish. It was not a prayer language. It was the ability to speak in a different language, one that the person had never studied or had known. If I met some Japanese fellow, say, and God wanted me to witness to him, he would give me the ability there to speak to that Japanese person in Japanese without me ever studying that. I probably would do better with that than English anyway. <laughs> That's the gift of tongues. The word tongues means languages. A great example is at Pentecost, when the twelve were filled with the Spirit of God, Acts chapter 2, verse 11. Notice what it says. Creatives and Arabians, now notice what they say. We do hear them speak, they're speaking in tongues, languages, in our tongues, the wonderful works of God. In other words, the tongues that the apostles spoke in these different languages were understandable languages. We hear it in our own language. Okay? That's important. Now back to verse 8 again. Verse 8, whether there be prophecies, they shall, what? Fail. And at the end of that verse, it shows, says knowledge, shall vanish away. That's interesting. The word fail and vanish are the same Greek word. It means to remove, to make gifts null and void, to be non-existent. Okay? But then he says with tongues they shall cease. That's a different word. It means to stop, to leave off, to pause. It stops for a separate reason. The gift of prophecy, of knowledge, word of knowledge, are going to stop for some reasons, but the gift of tongues is stopping for another reason. Why then were tongues given? 
Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 21. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, <clears throat> not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Okay, I mean, it's real, it's real simple. And by the way, that is a quote of Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. It was a sign when the Jews would hear foreign languages in their land by a large group of people. It was a sign of God's displeasure and judgment upon the unbelieving nation of Israel. So when they would hear these foreign languages, that was telling them they were under the judgment of God. Likewise, in 1 Corinthians 14, 21, we just showed here, among the Gentiles at Corinth, it had significance again of God's displeasure and judgment upon the unbelieving nation of Israel. Remember that God, by 1 Corinthians, God had set Israel aside for her unbelief and her sin, stoned Stephen, and so later on, they begin to hear people speak language, different languages, perhaps in Hebrew, whatever it might be, by Gentiles that was telling them of God's displeasure and judgment had come upon them. There's no doubt tongues were assigned to unbelieving Israel. The next verse, verse 22, says this. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. 1 Corinthians 1.22. 1 Corinthians 1.22. Keep your flipping. <laughs> In the law, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. And then chapter 1, verse 22. Wherefore, tongues are for... No, no, that's not the one. Chapter 1, verse 22. Jews require a sign. Amen? So there's no doubt that tongues were assigned to unbelieving Israel. And the church at Corinth. Do you know where the church at Corinth that we're even mentioning, 1 Corinthians, do you know where it was located? Now, now get this, Acts 18, verse 1, after these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, verse 7 and 8, and he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with his whole house. And so all I'm saying is that here at Corinth, they're right next to the synagogue, the church at Corinth. What a perfect place to be speaking in different foreign languages, to give the Jews a sign of their unbelief and to create jealousy in the Jews because God had poured out his spirit on the Gentiles, amen, and that they were just next door. They couldn't help but hear these things, 
and that Paul's message was right and their message had faded off the scene. Tongues were a sign to unbelieving Jewish people. Just that simple. And if you study the Bible at all, you know in Acts chapter 13 through 28, you know that's about a 20-year period. We call it the transition period where God is transferring his favor from the nation of Israel to the body of Christ. From the kingdom program to the Jews, signs and wonders to the mystery program with the Apostle Paul. And during that 20-year period, there is the failing, the vanishing, the ceasing of Israel's signs. Now, that's just a fact, Jack. As then today, the Corinthians at that time were misusing and abusing sign gifts. Now, don't miss this. Instead of focusing on truth, on teaching, on doctrine, they, like many today, they were engaged in emotionalism, in feelings, or having an experience. I talked to a lady one day, and she was telling me about going downtown and being healed of something, and and she said, I've had my experience. I show her a verse, and she said, no, I've had my experience. <laughs> but they want to experience, especially with tongues. That's like a lot of people today. And by the way, I'm not against emotionalism. I'm not against feelings. I'm not against being excited for Jesus. I'm not against worshiping. You want to jump up and praise the Lord? Jump up. You want to run around the room? Run around the room. Just when I'm preaching, be quiet, would you? Let me. <laughs> One voice at a time. Amen. I mean, that doesn't bother me, okay? It shouldn't bother any of us. But Paul writes to them. He says that they were wrong. And when their spiritual gifts would perfect is coming, the word of God, would fall away, would vanish, would cease. Their Christian life would then fall apart. Why? Because their focus was on experience. Their focus was on signs and wonders and everything like that, rather than being focused on the truth of God's word and doctrine and teaching that anchors one's soul. And when you focus on that and it falls away, you have the word of God you should have been anchored on. Amen? That's good, Jim. They're not saying amen much. So I probably have confused you this morning. I hope I haven't. Verse 11. Verse 11. And notice what he says. When I was a child... I spake as a child. You can say gift of tongues. When I was a child, I understood as a child. Gift of knowledge. When I was a child, I thought as a child. The gift of prophecy. But when I became a man, what did I do? 
I put away childish things. When the word of God came to me, I put away the sign gifts. Hello? This is spiritual maturity. When all the revelation of God's word is given, it is then we do away with the partial, the immature, the childish things. The sign gifts have ceased and vanished away because we have the word of God. In verse 12, <clears throat> he says this, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. At this moment in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul acknowledges he had not received the full revelation of the gospel of grace, the mystery program. All the information God wanted to give him for us, he had not received it all at 1 Corinthians. When he received it all, that's when he wrote down Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. That's where God gave him the full revelation of God for today's dispensation of grace. So in Corinthians, I know in part, these signs are only to give us credibility that we're speaking for God. But when I have full maturity and the perfect has come, the completed word of God, I don't need those signs anymore. We have the authority of the word of God. That makes sense? Colossians 1, 25, 26. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Paul's called to fulfill the mystery program writing. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now we have the completed word of God in its totality. No new revelation coming in. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 following. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me, the twelve didn't have it, given to me, to you were. How that by revelation, directly speaking to me, he, Christ, made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul says Christ has given him, when he's in prison there, the final chapter of the mystery program in the books that he wrote there. There are no longer sign gifts needed for today because we have a completed word, and Israel has been set aside who demands signs and miracles that started back with Moses years ago. I'm grateful for the perfect, the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3 talks about what this perfect does. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be, what? That perfect, that full mature word can make us fully matured, perfect in Christ. Isn't that something? Thank God for the perfect for coming, and we have it today. Today, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I'm about done. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't need any of these signs. I don't need a word of knowledge or some prophecy. I have everything completed and needed right there in the Word. And we've seen so many shenanigans on TV over and over. Seems like the Pentecost or Charismatics or whatever have owned all the TV stations. So who do you think they're going to allow to be on there most of the time? Somebody that's in agreement with what they believe. And for years upon years upon years, We've been groomed, we've been programmed, just like our government's trying to groom and program our children today. Amen? Same thing spiritually. And so a lot of Christians don't think they can ever achieve to be mature unless they've had one of these sign gifts. That's a lie. It's the devil's lie. You can become fully matured through the word of God. And then you don't have to seem like you're inferior. I, I, I watch a guy on Sundays. I enjoy the music. And I watch a guy. And it's always you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Chapter verse, by the way. They go back to Pentecost, which is under law for Israel. I remember years ago, I went to an apostolic church. A friend of mine, we were working together. I was, you, spirit. <laughs> I got it, brother. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> he was having some personal problems, and he was an old West Virginia miner, and uh, he used to eat large sandwiches with salt and pepper on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a big old boy. <laughs> and uh, we used to go down and drain pipes at trailer parks and pop all the lines together and stuff like that and do concrete work and so on. And so he said, you know, I just need to, they're having a revival over at my wife's church, you know. He said, would you come go with me? I said, sure, I'd be glad to. So I went over and I went to the service. I had a revival service. And people were running down the aisles and they were speaking jibber-jabberish, forgive me, so-called tongues, doing everything. 
You know, and I just sit there. I was toward the back. But my friend, Kenny, he went forward. And I knew that he meant business with God. He was, God had been dealing with him. And he was up there trying to make things right with the Lord. And the evangelist said, I haven't seen the train yet. I said to myself, train? What's a train? <laughs> and they got in single file and started going through the, the pews like this, like a train. Yeah, it, it was amazing. They were doing everything. And finally, I saw the preacher and the evangelist coming toward me. I said, here we go. <laughs> I said, Jesus, they won't leave me alone. <laughs> and I was just a, a believer, young believer. I hadn't grown a whole lot in, in the Lord yet, but I knew some things. And they come back, they said, hi, and they introduced themselves. And they said, uh, you ever been saved? I said, yes, I have. I, I know that I'm saved. And... They said, have you ever spoken in tongues? And I says, no, I haven't. Well, you're not saved then. I said, well, can you show me a verse in the Bible that shows me I'm lost if I haven't spoken in tongues? And they looked at me and turned around and walked away. Isn't that amazing? That's the pastor of the evangelist. So to claim something without scripture support for that is a, is a problem. And you and I, we have to base what we believe upon what God's word says. Now God says these things shall vanish, they shall fail, they shall cease. It doesn't matter what emotional thing I have been through or tried to do or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. It's what God says that matters. You understand that? It's not a feeling that went up my leg. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not that I was almost electrocuted a minute ago. It wasn't. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> I could see Sanford and Son. <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> But I'm so grateful I don't have to wonder or guess about it. And by the way, you might have done all that stuff before. I just challenge you to read the Word of God. Just trust it dispensationally. That's why we rightly divide. Okay? We believe at this church, upon the completion of the Scriptures, there, and God setting aside of Israel, there's no need for the miraculous wonders to give credibility and authority. We have all the credibility and authority that we need, thus saith the Lord in his word. That's the whole point. Kind of so. That's what I studied this week, so I hope that it was a blessing in some way to you. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. We don't have to guess, wonder, anything. We just believe what your word says and rightly divided. That's so important. You had a different agenda with Israel. And during that transition period, we see some of the signs going, but then we see them fade away. We even see Paul, during the last half of his ministry, he could not heal people. He could not do the miraculous in a number of ways. He had to leave people behind sick. And he was an apostle. 
God, help us to get hold of this truth. Thank you that we're part of the body of Christ. And we have all the truth we need right there in your word. We don't need to look for some kind of feeling or experience. We can experience all we could ever handle through your word. So help us to love it and follow it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.